Hello world, I'm Tomasino. This is Solar Punk Prompts, a series to inspire storytellers, where we discuss solar punk, a movement that imagines a world where technology is used for the good of the planet. In this series, we spend each episode exploring a single solar punk story prompt, adding some commentary, some inspirations, and some considerations. Most importantly, we consider how that story might help us to better envision a sustainable civilization. If this is your first time here, I'd recommend checking out our introduction episode first, or the season's introduction, where we talk about what Solarpunk is, why you should care, and why this series came into being. Today's prompt is The Moonshot. A group of scientists, environmentalists, and politicians such as lobbyists to the UN, are analyzing the footprints of the solar panels and windmills around the world, trying to answer the question, is sending a rocket to the moon and back to get a ton of moon soil the best thing we can do in the middle of a climate crisis? Is moon-helium fusion the best way forward? Today, only about 17% of our world's energy production supply comes from low-carbon energy, and only about 12% from renewables. We hope that our future situation will continue to change, and our communities will find new and varied ways of supplying their energy needs in a way that works in balance with their environment. In moving toward distributed power generation, local power, and smaller sustainability we also need to acknowledge that our capacity for large-scale energy generation is taking a step backward. It is the idea and ideal of Solarpunk to envision the world where local environmental balance and sustainable practices mean our need for this large power network is diminished. And what we see in homegrown communities living this model today, those expectations are fairly realistic. But what happens when we need to do more? What happens when our communities need to act big or act together on a macro scale? In this prompt, we ponder the need to do something monumental, traveling to the moon. Even today, this is a massive undertaking that's simply not feasible for many nations around the globe. We have highly technical societies with massive power grids and industries capable of so much yet the resources required for such a thing still pose problems. It may be a lack of physical resources, the fuel creation, or the material sciences needed for a heat shield. Or the challenges may be political, with dominant forces asking why their efforts should go to such a wild idea. Even in wealthy societies with true abundance, there can be a disconnect between the mission and the benefit in the eyes of the people. And to be fair, the connections aren't always immediately obvious. Take, for example, some recent research from the European Space Agency. Frying potatoes in space. Scientists looked at the complex physics and chemistry involved in frying, testing the process at increased gravitational forces in a centrifuge, and at low gravity in a parabolic flight test they learned that the optimal gravity for french fries is 3G. They also learned that even in low gravity, the movement of bubbles still supports a workable frying method. But why? 
Why the research? Why the expense of flight tests over and over? The immediate output is confirmation that astronauts who hope to travel to Mars won't be stuck with rehydrated food alone. They'll have some other options, like boiling. But more importantly, these chemical and physical processes open the door to our understanding of more complex subjects, like producing hydrogen from solar energy in microgravity. The silly french fry experiment might help us to create the fuel needed for missions deeper into our solar system. And it's not always clear why. And that's an important theme to consider in your stories. The human will to do a thing is the first and greatest commodity needed. One story you might look at for inspiration is Andrew Dana Hudson's Our Shared Storm. The setting here is mostly centered around political saloons and conferences, but that doesn't mean the stakes are low. There is plenty of drama as the stories play out across five overlapping scenarios of a natural disaster, striking back Buenos Aires during a climate conference. How do these scenarios play out scientifically, but also politically, with factions stemming from different regions? Politics probably represents the most difficult aspect of a scenario requiring this macroactivity. If that's not your strong area, or if you want to focus on something a bit smaller, we could aim this moonshot project a bit lower. Instead of the moon, what about something that requires a few communities, but not several nations to accomplish? One notion might be a nuclear fission reactor. Fast breeder reactors, for example, don't have meltdowns and burn out much of the radioactive waste found in older uranium reactors. It's a stepping stone toward cleaner energy, doable today, and could help generations to come. From a philosophical view, it seemed aimed in the right direction, though there are valid criticisms to explore if you go down that path. Thorium-based reactors are also an option, offering increased safety, less waste, less radioactivity in the waste. In either case, the effort required to build such a thing is still more than a small community can hope to achieve. Thousands of skilled workers would need to team together, and the raw materials for the facility and the fuel are just not common. How does such a thing come to be in your imagined future? What are the many barriers? What are the struggles? A moonshot project is essentially a challenge to Solarpunk's happy-go-lucky fetishization of windmills and solar panels. The aesthetic is confronted with a cold, hard reality that there are things for which it may not be well-equipped. What happens when we face these challenges head-on? Who will want to buckle to the pressure and seek the easy way out? What sort of engineering insights and hard science might you pull into the story to make the struggle understandable? If our goal is to create a vision for a possible future, one where we have found some equilibrium with our environment, then we can use this sort of vehicle to demonstrate ongoing challenges. There is a common stumbling block for writers approaching Solarpunk for the first time. The utopian vision of these communities the struggle to fix everything is, is in the past, and now it's all gardens and windmills. And that suggests that conflict is already resolved. For a writer who might be attracted to the topic of climate fiction, writing something without that conflict sounds, frankly, boring. A prompt like this one may be a boon to such a writer. Here, 
we see communities who have come a long way and still face new and ongoing challenges. What if the distributed microgrids, localized manufacturing and so on are, are helping, but are not enough? What if we need to do a mega project? What if it's proven that it's not just a scam, but every scientist can support its value? Do we want to surrender the locality of our communities to recreate hierarchy and create something truly big? Something that may be controlled by just a few people? Can we allow that culturally? If not, can we suffer the cost of inaction? How can you raise the stakes even further? These are big questions that go beyond the technical, though they may be grounded in it. They go beyond the political, though that may be where the conflict is expressed. They're ethical questions. They're essential questions of identity. And that's anything but boring. Finally, I encourage you to play with the norms. In a world where Solarpunk has reached its first stage and is struggling with its next step, what has changed in the everyday mores that might help it or might make it more difficult? These everyday sensibilities will humanize and ground the bigger action, making it more accessible to the reader. These small things also tend to represent the values of the people more effectively than the big thing. How will your community safeguard their values as they face these decisions? Do they formalize protections by creating organizations? Do they internalize new ideas of taboo? A good resource on these ideas would be the Tetralogy Terra Ignota by Ada Palmer. In this series, we see a playful treatment of the philosophy of cultural morals, which manages to frame the future for us in juxtaposition to our past. We cannot help but see our own world through the eyes of someone from the 18th century, and thus better understand the foreignness of the future. And that may be an important element for us to consider as readers. The pathway to this better future is not just external, it's not just the infrastructure or the politics. It's also a part of our values and our cultural norms. How must those change for us to get where we're going? And how will those change once we get there? Until next time, I'm Tomasino, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of Solar Pump Crimes. Last and First Light and Artemis by Scott Buckley.